This is Expert Voices, a podcast from Lloyd Register, where subject matter experts and leaders in marine and offshore share market insights, technical views, and talk about trends and developments in our industry. This time around, we are talking about remote capability and how the COVID-19 crisis has transformed the maritime industry's appetite and acceptance of remote technologies. Across the board, classification societies have seen an increase in remote surveys, but our conversation will focus on developments, how equivalents must evolve to enhance the efficiency of remote capability. What technologies will we need to employ to drive further efficiencies in remote capability? And what will the next step change in efficiency look like? This conversation is being led by me, Nicola Good, the Global Head of Brand and External Relations for Marine and Offshore at Lloyd's Register. And I'm delighted to welcome two guests, Ralph Yule, Senior Vice President at Hafnia. Thank you, Nicola. And Lloyd's Register's Head of Product Management for Marine and Offshore, James Forsdyke. Hi, thanks, Nick. Now turning our attention to our topic. 2020 is a year all of us will remember, and there's no question that the COVID-19 pandemic has been accompanied with sizable and significant challenges for all in maritime. One of the most notable developments for the industry has been a greater appetite and acceptance of digital technologies, particularly with respect to remote surveys. For Lloyd's Register, this has meant that remote surveys now account for more than a third of all surveys at present. Remote surveys were happening before the pandemic struck, much of their willingness to accept remote methods in recent times has been driven by necessity. But what needs to evolve for this capability to become firmly entrenched? Starting with you, Ralph, why does the industry need remote surveys? And talk us through Hafnia's experience with remote capability. How do you see it shaping the maritime industry going forward? Um, I think that the remote uh, inspection regime has a future, first of all, because we can, because the technology is there. Uh, and then for a lot of purposes that we'll come into a little later with advantages and, and disadvantages. But definitely, if we look at a tanker ship, which I'm representing 90 of, each of these ships have 12 to 20 inspections per year that coming from commercial inspection, it comes from flag inspection, it comes from class inspection, from port state inspections. So with this amount of inspections, which is actually jeopardizing the safety because they all are ongoing in port while we do cargo operation and other uh, vital operations, uh, while remote inspections can be done at sea, doing it much more relaxed for the crew. So remote inspection could actually create a trust, which apparently is not in our industry today, uh, with all these inspections required where the various oil companies could learn from each other, use each other's information, class and flag could exchange on a higher level, and all this could build up to less physical inspection and less uh, physical interference on board the vessel. So during these COVID times, we have actually had a lot of experience because now suddenly we were not able to travel to the vessels. We were not able to go into the terminals. We were not able to, to visit the ships physically but the world needed the ships to travel around with cargoes, etc. So we have had a tremendous load of inspections done with various uh, class societies. We have it with oil majors, and we have done a huge number of inspections ourselves uh, automatically. Internal audits on the ISM code, ISPS, 
etc., which we have done in cooperation with the flag states and the classes. We have had ISO inspections. We have had damage inspections. We have had many conferences and we do training. Our office has been DOC audited also remotely. And it has all turned out very efficient. So uh, so I, I'm firmly in for this because there is a huge amount of gain for everybody in, in such a remote regime. Excellent, Ralph. Um, James, you started life as a marine surveyor. How has this capability expanded during your career? Uh, uh, massively, to be honest. Uh, I mean, there, there are a few points that Ralph picked up on that, that uh, I think we should come back to and talk about a little bit later. But just to, to sort of give you a flavor for how things have changed on the class side over the last, so I've been in the business 14 years. Um, in the scope of my career, I started as a surveyor. I then moved into sort of client relationship uh, types of roles. And then I moved into these more commercial and marketing and, and product management types of roles. So so if you like, I've got three different lenses on how remote sort of capabilities have, have evolved. So starting as a surveyor, at that time, a surveyor's imperative to consider a remote alternative to a physical survey was really not very high. If you put yourself in the shoes of a surveyor, uh, and this was at the time when rates were still relatively good, so bulk carrier owners, for example, were considering taking 20-year-old bulk carriers through maybe 1,000 or 2,000 tons of steel renewal for going into special survey you know, for, because they're still making enough money. So the ships needed a lot of TLC. And... And if you were to say to a surveyor, then right, I'm going to ask you to consider a portion of the work that you have to do on board remotely at a time when in most of the ship repair yards in the world on land, there wasn't particularly good terrestrial um, you know, network or uh, terrestrial communications available. You know, it, it's a bit of a non-starter. So at the beginning of my career as a surveyor, remote surveys were, were really not a huge um, thing, with the exception perhaps of certain operational uh, things that, that, that became necessary. So a, a perfect example is was setting of the boiler valve. So after a major special survey, um, you would have done a full boiler survey. So you open up the boiler, you crawl inside, you look around, you make sure everything's okay. You do a shop test of the boiler safety valve, which is an essential safety feature of the boiler. If you get that wrong, you basically got a bomb in the engine room. And the last, the last available item, if you will, is to make sure that when you've reassembled the boiler and you've pressed it back up to pressure, that that safety valve is lifting the way it should in the right conditions. Now, of course, ship has to sail. Ship has to leave the repair facility and fill up the boiler, press it up to, to pressure. That takes 12 hours. So it's practically impossible for a surveyor to do that last surveyable item. So you would do it remotely. And in those days, doing that remotely meant receiving a ship-to-shore email from the chief engineer with the signed statement saying, I've checked it at sea, it's lifting. Um, we can close the survey now. So that, that a remote survey, if you will, based on the trust exchange between the surveyor and the ship. And, and that was sort of where we started. I then, then moving into sort of client-facing roles, I, you know, we quickly learned that there are a number of occasions where physical attendances are really impractical but again, in the absence of technologies giving robust assurance, any remote work that we would do would be on a short-term basis. So, so an example is either a minor damage or something like that has happened on the ship. It's declared to us, and we have to make sure that the ship stays within its legally regulated framework. So it has to have 
perhaps a condition of class or short-term statutory certificates. So we have a duty of care to make sure we've understood as best we can the situation that's on board. We've agreed with the ship owner some way of mitigating the risks caused by that uh, damage scenario. Uh, and we issue a conditional class. This is all without attendance. It might be on the basis of a description of event, markup of drawings uh, of where damages are and photographs and things like that. So that's been quite common in the industry for a while now. But its purpose has always been to keep the ship legally covered so that it can get to shore, get to the repair facility within a short time frame where we can get a surveyor on board, we can get repair facilities on board to work out what's going on. And it's only really now when cloud-based technologies and internet connectivity, let's say a minimum of 3G um, coming up to 5G in some place around the world, have been put in place that we can actually start thinking about remote surveys in their own right for making full-term and fully justified decisions. You know, Ralph touched on on the issue of, of trust and data transparency. That is, the trust issue is really is really the key in what can either speed this progress or hinder it because the industry has so many spheres of participants and with some of those participants the trust is is mutual it's firmly entrenched and and the honesty is there and the opportunity for stakeholders to be open and pragmatic with each other such that they can accept remote surveys and be sure that everyone's on the same page is there but we can't pretend that that relationship is in place with all members of our of our great but wide industry so i I think that's that's well worth a deeper conversation as we try to work out where we go with this thing great and thank you james i mean i think we've all seen how cloud-based technologies and internet connections have been quite transformative in recent months turning back to you ralph um can you talk me through what you see as the advantages and disadvantages of remote capability Uh, for us at least uh, and and for the shipping industry in general, uh, we are all here to to safeguard the environment. And that is one obvious uh, advantage of remote uh, inspection, that we don't have to travel. We don't have to order barges that goes out to the ship. We don't have to have flight tickets, trains, etc. So there is a, an advantage there, for sure. So the environment is definitely something we have to look into. And then, as I touched upon before, safety. All these inspections of ships, they are very, very relevant when you look at them individually. But they are all ongoing while the ship is in port. And regardless what kind of ship you are, that's where the ship is most busy. People running on deck, open hatches, uh, cargo operations, everything. This is where the ship is most vulnerable. While if you do a remote inspection, you can do it at sea. People can be off-duty. They can sit relaxed in the mess room, have a cup of coffee. You can chit-chat on the screen. Um, And you can get a much more in-depth inspection done. So I think in some part of inspections, uh, that is a huge advantage. You could also, on your documentation, everything that is said and shown is automatically put into evidence and put on record. Because you can uh, just look back into your file if you record your inspections. So documentation, recording is much better. I think you can develop people on board, especially on board, but even also the, the people who do the surveys. Because by having this time to do an in-depth inspection, 
touching up on everything, talking with more people or maybe even people on board in groups, you can develop better understanding of what is going on instead of in a very busy port, the inspector runs around with the chief engineer and they have no time to explain to the rest of the crew what they're actually doing. And then, of course, uh, economically, we are using a lot of money making all these physical inspections uh, possible. So for sure, there is uh, money to save as well. But uh, firmly, I think that the quality of the inspection can be much better. But as James uh, rightfully touched, there is also disadvantages. And it's not all inspection that you could or should do remotely, like a boiler survey, etc. There is things where you need physical presence, but it might not be every year you needed to do it. You might be able to look at, could you combine remote inspection with physical inspection? Could we do it uh, in dry dock or intermediate surveys? Uh, so we could uh, look at it and see if we could cut down some of the physical inspections. But of course, some of the disadvantages that I see is, of course, the credibility and the trust, as we talked about before. There will be someone who take advantage of the remote inspection and get through with things which they shouldn't, which a physical uh, inspection might have revealed. So there is something about credibility and trustworthiness we have to work with in the industry. And then, of course, as James also said, the IT and the connectivity to and from the ship is also a, an issue that needs to be to be solved and you need to have good and sustainable systems. And then, of course, when you don't have this onboard feeling as an inspector, you might also lose uh, your inspection feeling from people's body language, from their eyes rolling, uh, from the way they search for information. And all these things that you can't put in paper or something, you will miss that out because everything is prepared beforehand. So you have the advantage of you have time to read the papers, you have time to look into what is actually going on, at least procedural-wise, but you lose you lose this feeling you have when you see people actually dealing with the matter when you are on board. So there is advantages and disadvantages. But overall, I think the advantages is much heavier than the disadvantages. And the few disadvantages, they are we can work with them. We can definitely find solutions to sort them out. We don't have to do everything in one day. Thank you, Ralph. As a girl who relies on her instincts, I know what it means to sometimes be in person, but there definitely are significant advantages. James, have you got anything you want to add on, on advantages and disadvantages? Yeah, thanks, Nick. So first of all, I mean, I, I totally agree with everything that Ralph says. You know, we see it the same. And, and actually, it makes me, it makes me think about, uh, about the crux of the issue and where we go with this. Because, you know, my personal view is that the way that we look at remote surveys as equivalent to physical surveys and the way that we give ourselves assurance, the assurances that we need to continue to classify and certify the assets that we that we survey, I think that needs to evolve. And it needs to evolve to speak to those advantages and those disadvantages, you know, to capitalize on the advantage and to mitigate the disadvantage. So what I mean by that is if you if you think about how we how we survey at the moment, we've got a a huge body of experience within the industry, which is built up over time and based on the idea that the surveyor, the auditor, the inspector can be on board the ship. So, you know, there are well-established inspection lists, there are checklists, there are protocols. All of our learned behavior is based on the fact that I can be there, I can touch it, I can see it, and anything that smells fishy, I can investigate based on my engineering background and my experience. Um, and so naturally, when you start 
introducing remote techniques, the first step in that introduction is to say, okay, I still want to do all those things I'm normally doing, but I'm now going to try to do them remotely. Of course, the technology has come a long way to enable us to do that fairly smoothly and fairly fluidly. But in my view, in itself, that is not the most efficient way of doing things. Because if you were, for example, you've never seen a ship before, you're starting on a blank piece of paper and you say, here's a bunch of technology, go work out a safety regime or a compliance regime. Would you come up with all the same inspection checklists, items that you would, uh, that, that we currently have? You know, probably not. So I think that really what's exciting is that as we start to get experience with remote surveys, we can start thinking about how equivalents can evolve. The rules, the regulations, the, the codes and the conventions, they are all in place to achieve a purpose and to achieve a goal. And I think we should be asking ourselves the question of how can we achieve that goal in a data-enabled way? And that can be a whole integration of technology platforms and estates. So that can be like live, mutually accessible data repositories and document repositories. So a good example is that the surveyor currently will go on board to start an annual survey and spend the first hour at least sat in the captain's cabin drinking their lovely coffee and going through documents, going through certificates, going through records, you know, firefighting, servicing system records, life-saving appliance records. And that's a question of, you know, taking a printout from the ship's records and showing it to the surveyor and they copy across all the key data into their checklist and into their records for their report later. Um, why do we continue to need to do that? We don't. If you look at how you apply for a mortgage in the UK at the moment, you have an interaction with the bank in advance of your mortgage application where you are getting all your documents in order. Why can't we do the same on ships? Internet allows us to do that. Technology allows us to do that. Um, and then, you know, data and condition data. If we talk about surveying machinery spaces, let's, you know, the main engine is a perfect example. I mean, another, another remote survey opportunity that I didn't talk about in the earlier in your career question is main engine bearings. So at the moment, a class regime says that you've got to look at main engine bearings um, on a time base. So let's say every five years, whereas the engine manufacturers say you look at them on an hours base. And if the running hours do not align with the time, then the class society would say, based on current rule requirements, you know, I want it opened up anyway. I want to see it because that's what I need to see. Um, but rotating out a main engine bearing for its inspection is just as likely to cause damage as, you know, as anything else. So if the condition data says there's nothing wrong with it, you probably shouldn't touch it. Um, and that's an example that's live now. If, if you think about the possibility of a censored engine room, all essential equipment censored and giving you data that you have trust in, then why wouldn't the machinery survey regime evolve? And for me, that's all part of the remote and data-enabled proposition and the question, you know, how does classification and compliance with any sort of third-party checking mandate, how can that evolve thanks to technology? Remote survey is a part of it, but I think we've got an opportunity here to, to completely rethink how we interact with the ship, how we use data to allow us to interact with the ship so that we can do all the routine stuff in the most efficient way, still identify where there's a suspect area and intervene in that suspect area in a robust manner that everyone has trust in and everyone has faith in the outcome from. And that could be a major rewrite 
to how we run our interventions on board. I don't see why why it wouldn't be. Um, it, uh, and so the, the, the question is only how do we get there from where we are now? Ralph, what do you think about about that um, from your view and how you guys see things are happening? James, I fully agree on your viewpoints and the uh, that the future bring in some new. And I think one of the things that you, you you said without saying is also the art of differentiation, because I think that many owners uh, today are very different, or many ship types. How would you do it on a ferry? A ferry goes into the same ports or something, so maybe you don't need remote inspections uh, on board these vessels because it's easy to go on board. Uh, while tram Uh, ships is something different and LNG carriers could be something third. So the differentiation and the way we look at how to surveys and inspections on board vessels should maybe also uh, be evaluated. But it goes also hand in hand with remote surveillance. More and more owners are getting uh, systems and features where they can monitor equipment, etc. from home. If you look at main engine manufacturers, many of them is actually able to do surveillance of the uh, main engines from ashore. So we should also use these features uh, to assist in surveys. Uh, so you could actually, if you had a survey of a purifier, we could actually switch on the purifier and show you live online pressure, temperatures, uh, everything. So I think that we also have to look at remote inspections in connection with what is going on in this industry uh, as well uh, going forward. Great. Thanks, Ralph. The concept of the sort of the sensor-based engine room has come up. And obviously, you know, there's been quite an evolution so far in remote capability. I mean, what other technologies will we need to employ to drive further efficiencies in remote capability? Um, James, any any views? Uh, Okay. So my, I wouldn't actually talk at this point in time, about further inspection-based technologies. I think for the moment, for the need, we've there, there's a lot out there, perhaps with the exception of integrating hardware with software-based inspections. So at the moment, for example, at LR, we have our own in-house inspection application, which is, which is a platform that we make available to our customers called LR Remote. At the moment, it is a streaming technology accessible through someone on the ship's mobile phone. Uh, obviously, for people such as Ralph, who operate tankers and uh, operate in hazardous areas, there's a little bit of a hardware requirement there, but that can be easily addressed at the moment with something as simple as a, as a certified plastic EX enclosure for the mobile phone. So when it comes to technologies, what I'd like to focus on for all of us is the cloud-based data exchange technologies that would enable and empower that data transparency that we currently need to push remote forward. So, you know, if we go back to that point about how things can fundamentally change and how equivalents can fundamentally change, to get there, we need a wide stakeholder group to feel comfortable with what it is that we're proposing. And that's that's flag authorities, that's port state authorities, it's people like EMSA in the European Union, it's also um, the commercial vetting organizations out there, people like the Right Ships, the SIAs, OCIMF, these types of people. They would benefit from common access to data. And that's something that, whilst the technology is there, it's not necessarily firmly embedded across all stakeholder groups. So I would look to making that, that sort of cloud-based 
multiple user access and data shared with the right permissions, that type of technology as a focus for the next six to 12 months before we can really get this thing off the ground. And I think that pretty much covers what the next step change in efficiency could look like, access to common data. Ralph, is there anything that you want to add there? Um, I had an agreement with, with uh, James, and I think we have to uh, to take it uh, a step by step. And we, we need to uh, to look at the low-hanging fruits first, because we are already able to do a lot with the means we have today. But we also have to realize that some ships will have absolutely no remote sort of features. They might even not have a very good internet system or anything. And then we will have ships with a fully automated, fully transparent and uh, duplicate systems where you can see everything from the office chair. So we need to put that into into our thoughts when we talk about remote uh, inspections, that we don't try to make it one-way regime. So if we take the lowest denominator, and then we will never move because then there is only physical inspections because not all ships have or should have the means to do a proper uh, remote inspection. So I think it is a major important that we dare to start with remote uh, inspections. Many times in our industry, we say, okay, this is smart. Then we look at what can go wrong or what will not fulfill this or what will not fulfill this. And then all the engineering heads, myself included, we are sitting and looking about all what can go wrong. So we move very slowly. But I think with remote inspection, we are so advanced already. So let's just jump into it. Let's make it individual. Let's make it suitable for the purpose. And maybe not say that you have remote inspections, so everybody must have it. You must be able to supply it to all customers, etc. It should be a product that the classes, for instance, offer more than it is a must that is regulated, that uh, uh, fulfill these and these uh, requirements set by IMO or something, because then it will never happen. So I think uh, in this industry, for once, let's move. We got the means and an inspection is an inspection. We just make sure that we cover it so we are sure that it is trustworthy and uh, credible. Excellent. Thank you, Ralph. Um, We're almost at the end of our time. One last question for you both. Um, Looking ahead a decade down the road, how do you see remote capability being used in maritime? How differently from the way it's used now? Um, James? There's a a great Bill Gates quote, I think is, is attributed to Bill Gates, where he says, most people overestimate what they can achieve in a year and underestimate what they can achieve in 10 years. I hope that in 10 years' time, sufficient changes have occurred in the way in which we use data and the way in which we regulate um, shipping that we can really embrace a new era of data-enabled safety assurance. Excellent. Ralph? Uh, I hope that in 10 years' time, we are looking at surveys as something combined where we have realized what are we actually looking at. We are looking for a safe ship in a safe environment uh, doing the right thing. And I think we will look at the ships still in five-year periods between the special surveys, but all intermediate will be cleaned out for physical inspections because we have system in place that can give us sufficiently uh, data collection and with videos and etc. give you sufficient evidence that the ship is in, in good order. So you can only do your physical uh, verification checks uh, at every dry dock. Thanks, Ralph. And thank you both for sharing your insights.
It seems that trust is central to the pace at which remote capability will evolve and that levels of trust will either accelerate or hinder its journey. Other takeaways for me are the environmental benefits, fewer journeys for all concerned, as well as the safety advantages, engaging with crew when they are at sea rather than in port when everyone is at their busiest. Lastly, as Ralph said, we cannot rely on the lowest common denominator in the industry to drive the change, as it simply won't happen. Plenty of food for thought for us all. Thank you for listening to this episode of Expert Voices. We hope you have found the conversation insightful. If there are topics that you'd like us to discuss, please email the team at expert.voice at lr.org. And you can find previous episodes at info.lr.org slash expert hyphen voice.